So hi. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've recorded though, like a long while. A really long while, actually. So sorry, first of all. Hi, this is we're watching. I'm Alexia. That's Abby. Hello. <laughs> We have been on a whirlwind uh, adventure in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, seriously. Like the entire month of November just like flew by. That was insane. It both flew and dragged. Mm-hmm. Primarily the dragging because of the not seeing the humans. Yes. <laughs> the month is a long time, friends. But it was it was a really good month, I will say. Like I don't think I could have ever asked for a better 30th birthday party or bachelorette party, which we did in tandem. We did. We did all of the things for Abby's huge events all together, <laughs> like the psychopaths that we are. Yeah, I would recommend uh, if you are getting married, maybe just like combine some stuff. It kind of makes everything easier. <laughs> I don't know if it does, but... It felt nice to me where I didn't have to do like 800 different events for wedding stuff. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. I mean, that is why you friends and neighbors got a old, thank God we backdated some of our, like we had backlogged some of our episodes that we recorded in favor of doing like more open, like with like the newer movies mm-hmm. as we got closer to Halloween and whenever, so we had a couple of episodes in our back pocket, thank God, because <laughs> Abby's, Abby's events and then me not being available over, you know, last week and the weekend. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, we'll, we'll have to backlog some more, I think, coming up. <laughs> I think so, too. Oh. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like the last one that we actually like sat down and recorded was the Blair Witch Project, and that was early November as I look back at wow. so yeah the conjuring and poltergeist those mm. were our um saves which we got a really nice note from Denny friend of the podcast Denny Taylor where he said you know poltergeist was such a good episode I feel like you guys really came into your own there and I was like thank you that was the second podcast episode we've ever recorded together so <laughs> we got it going <laughs> I know I was in Massachusetts I was in Boston when we recorded that in September. And there was like, an, I, thank God for editing because I legitimately took out 10 minutes of me like running around getting a drink and us like going on these weird random tangents where it's like, no, <laughs> that doesn't need to be aired. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're just that is wild. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I'm really excited for December actually. I was trying to take notes of like movies that we could watch this month Um, we already have one lined up that we want to do but yeah Christmas and horror just kind of go hand in hand in hand they do honestly there are so many horror films that are relevant like to seasonality Mm -hmm. um which I love I love I love I mean of course there's Halloween but it's funny for all the fact for like all of that they're is an entire holiday dedicated to spooky. Um, there aren't nearly as many Halloween horror films as there are just like other horror films. No, because it's you like, know? of course, we'll, we'll probably do My, Bloody, My Bloody Valentine in February and 
doesn't naturally really happen there's like a purge that's centered around the fourth of july it's election year so it's yeah. around election time so actually that would have been apt for november but whatever oh, okay yeah, yeah. So it's like there's horror movies for literally any holiday we probably could have found one for hanukkah but i feel like jewish people have suffered enough at this point <laughs> literally <laughs> they've had their horror film it was called living and uh, we're not going to put them through that anymore generational trauma is not part of the show <laughs> nope we do not agree with per- perpetuating genocidal stereotypes we're not here for that no and that is that <laughs> that's that yeah but you know of course within christmas spirit we had to be watching a trashy christmas rom-coms which are delightful yeah i i insisted abby and i record this because she said after watching insidious because we're discussing insidious this week and after watching insidious she needed some some chill time with some rom-coms of the christmas variety so please indulge us abby what did you watch so the first one is called a california christmas and it's that stereotype of you know the rich city boy businessman He's like this big playboy and his mother sends him to the this tiny little ranch vineyard out in California and he goes undercover there because he's trying to buy out the the vineyard from under them but he wants to do it in like a way that he's like oh I'll just simply like convince them to give it over to me it, it falls apart because of course he falls in love with the ranch owner this cute little girl who oh, yeah. owns everything but <laughs> Ivy was like watching with me and he was predicting everything that was happening. Like, oh, <laughs> so it's going to do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, God damn it, Ivy. Yes, but that's not the point. <laughs> You're like, we know the tropes. I want the romance. Shut up. Trope. I, it's, it's by rote at this point. Like we all know it. <laughs> I know. I, I had to rewatch. Um, was it? it was in 2012 that 2012 classic uh christmas cupid which stars chad michael murray yes! and Benson. <laughs> oh my god yes tell because me everything think it's actually like a fun good movie is it yeah because it's a retelling of a christmas carol and <clears throat> the main character she does a very good job of being incredibly stupid and selfish through every step of the way but the way that she comes into her own is very organic and you're like yeah, because you have to hit those people in the face for them to get it. And actually, yeah, really. it's like the court quirky uh, Marley who's dead, and she's just like hanging out with her cute outfits everywhere. Oh my god! Of course she is. <laughs> that is fantastic. So if that you is fantastic. Watch, it, watch a Christmas Cupid. It's very cute. Okay, I absolutely will. So I watched Love Hard a couple of weeks ago. Oh my god, love hard. <laughs> I know I loved it. I loved it. I I felt bad because like I I had sent it to I had sent it to Chris and he was like, stop watching them all without me. <laughs> it's like, oh sorry. But it's like speaking of CW uh stars who ended up doing Christmas movies, Ashley Benson and um Nina Dobrev now with Love Nina Heart. Dobrev. Yeah. Like that that movie is definitely like, oh Alexia was in the writing process for this. <laughs> adorable it, it, data scientist nerd boy <laughs> oh god I loved it so much <laughs> I did I loved it I loved it I loved it I was like make your candles 
Fear thyself. And also sing Saint or um Baby It's Cold Outside with your new and updated lyrics because it's super cute. It was so adorable and smart. And I just loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely delightful. It was, it was precious. We are Christmas movie stands over here. Hundred percent movies and cheesy rom coms. There is a duality to man. I am a contradiction if I ever wanted one. <laughs> Apparently, I do. I love it. Uh, yep. Oh God, so good. Okay. Well, fun facts, friends and neighbors. We are in fact discussing Insidious this week. Um, Insidious is our second James Wan vehicle. Yeah, which uh, I did not realize when I chose Insidious. As soon as I watched it, I was like, Jesus Christ. And then there's Patrick Wilson in it. I was like, God damn it. I told you. Why did I do this? <laughs> One, can't stop, won't stop. Not. Can't stop, won't stop. Secondly, I had mentioned it, I think, in, when we did Malignant, um, that James Wan did it. But like, I didn't expect you to remember that because so what happened um, is I had brought all of like a chunk of my favorite horror films, both classic and newer um, to Abby's house, thinking that we would have time. Why I thought we would have time amongst the whole bachelorette weekend, Thanksgiving weekend. Like I was there in deck in Texas the whole time. Why I thought we would have time to watch a horror film. I do not know. They were absolute fools. Literal fools. So did not do that at all. Um, but, uh, yes. So another James Wan vehicle came out in 2010 um do you want to do the synopsis or shall I um let me let me take a crack at it yeah get it <laughs> let me let me try this out okay so insidious follows this family oh well maybe not because I can't remember their names uh, Josh and Renee are the parents yes well I was like their last name starts with a p maybe but they have I don't um, think that matters <laughs> I don't know. They have three children. One is a, a fairly new, newborn baby and two sons who are in their early childhood still. And they move into this brand new, not a brand new, they move into this house and they're very excited to move in. And weird things start happening almost immediately where their middle son, Dalton, falls down and hits He's their eldest, I think. Eldest, okay. He falls down, hits his head, and he goes into a coma out of nowhere. So the parents are already, like, upset and traumatized by it. And weird stuff continues to happen around the house. They keep seeing things. They keep hearing things. Uh, Renee is a stay-at-home mom, and um, her husband, Josh, is a professor at a university, I'm assuming. And, you know, typical thing where she's like, I'm seeing things and things are going bad here. And he goes, no, you're fine. I think you're just stressed because our son is in a coma. And turns out Dalton is being held in an alternate universe that they call the further. They have to call in, of course, the uh, ghost hunter people <laughs> doing such a yeah. bad job at this no, no you're not it's like an alternate the further is like an alternate dimension yeah. an evil alternate dimension for the undead real quick which if you listen to our episode last week it, it gets very poltergeisty real quick there is a child who is held in another dimension by other spirits who have not moved on 
Um, they are still living in their reality of their most recent death, trauma, all that kind of stuff. And uh, there is one puppeteer who's in charge of all of it. This demon thing. He's the, the main menace, I guess. Something like that. <laughs> but it turns out that um, Josh, or yeah, Dalton is astral projecting there. And he gets that ability from his father, Josh, which his, Josh's mother reveals that Josh used to actual project constantly as a child. And that this old woman almost, you know, possessed his body when he was a child. And she did everything that she could to make that, keep that from happening. She would take these pictures and show that she was always there waiting to possess Josh. And that's why the family doesn't have pictures of Josh, turns out. <laughs> <laughs> so he manages to astral project into the further and he manages to find Dalton. They escape the evil entities. Um, there's a whole exorcism like scene that goes on where they try to get the, the demon out of, Dal uh, out of Dalton. Yes, because Dalton starts throwing people around. His that was pre Josh going after him. Because yeah. his physical body starts going crazy. <clears throat> and. Yeah, Josh finds Dalton, brings him back, and then they all live happily ever after, or do they? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it literally ends with Renee finding out that Josh has, in fact, been possessed by the woman that wanted him years and years ago. And she has turned around where he's like, hello. <laughs> Yeah, in like a twisted turn of events, he has his photo taken, kills Elise, the sweet medium who comes to help, and that helped him as a child. And then, yeah, it ends with him touching Renee's shoulder, her turning around gasping and cliffhanger. I guess there's other movies, which I did find out too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's a fault. So there, there are two sequels. Well, a fit two official sequels. Um, the, there's Insidious 2, which follows Josh and Renee and Dalton, Tucker and Callie, their family. <laughs> and then there's a third that's like just Elise, Elise's adventures, like before oh, okay. that, the events of that, I believe. Gotcha. Well, this movie, my biggest takeaway was this movie is a very good, uh, birth control ad. Because that baby <laughs> never fucking stops crying. Yep. Oh my God. Ivy was like, can you make it stop? And I'm like, no. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. I'm just as stuck as you are. <laughs> um, that, yeah, that's it. So do you remember when we watched Malignant and I was talking about how James Wan loves family stories? He loves family stories. And they're always very accurate depictions of family. Like, I gotta give it to him. <laughs> accurate depictions of family. Accurate depictions of Renee as the swamped mother of three. Callie as the, like, I'm a baby. I'm cranky. I'm gonna cry all the time. The boys as, like, sweet but, you know, bickering siblings. The husband as the one who's like, what the hell is happening? I know I'm stressed. I'm gonna stay at work late. Like, but, like, an, a supportive mother-in-law who is present and, Yeah. I love a good family story. And I feel like he just continuously does a really good job of family dynamics. Yeah, it was, uh, as an only child, I could say, yes, 
Good <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair. I mean, fair. They've definitely um, been, uh, like they're they're not trying too hard to make the children say something or do something, which I feel like can be a big pitfall with horror movies, where you have a child right. who's trying too hard to be precocious or intelligent or wise beyond their years or whatever. Right. And in this movie, no, they're just children. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that before, or you talked about that before in like another movie. I think it was Poltergeist. Okay. Honestly, this was probably the best follow-up to Poltergeist. (laughs) And was a lot of this in an homage to Poltergeist? Do we know if James Wan did that intentionally? That's a great question. I did very little research this time because it was like, I'm just going to rewatch the movie because I love this movie. And then... I did like no research, which is so <laughs> unlike me. But friends, I've been a little preoccupied. Busy. There's been a yeah. lot going on. Holidays. Been a lot friends. <clears throat> All of the friends. Holiday season is upon us here. Stuff. Wink, wink. Yeah, because as, <laughs> as I was like watching it, I was like, this is literally like, poltergeist without being a remake but it was also kind of annoying in that sense oh (laughs) i mean yeah i I, i'm sorry you feel sorry you felt that way i mean i love this movie but i also love all of it um well yeah actually we should start with did you oh no it had three sequels my bad so chapter two and then chapter three and the last key were both prequels. I forgot. The last key I didn't really super enjoy. So I guess I just locked it from my collective memory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, so did you like it? Um, I don't think I want to watch it again. I don't know if I want to watch the sequels. Family. I am very deeply upset by this. <laughs> you what? <laughs> I was just like, for three quarters of the movie, I was unimpressed and a little bit bored. And then it started getting more James Wan, where he was like doing that experimental, like freak shit. Like, you know, he likes the lights. He likes the crazy angles. He likes messing with your mind a lot. And it just didn't, I feel like the buildup didn't, connect too well with how everything played out so I was just like very unimpressed and by the time all that stuff happened I was like whatever it yeah I am giving Abby the most (laughs) right now um (laughs) what (laughs) What? so unimpressed with it I was just like okay this is it felt too much even though I really like Rose Byrne and I like Patrick Wilson it was just like it I it honestly got so slow and boring at parts where I was just like I don't care anymore I know I'm sorry Lexi is so shocked (laughs) oh my god he's going to resign as maid of honor (laughs) today's the day Okay, you know what? If this is what ruins our friendship, I didn't deserve to be maid of honor in the first place, okay? First of all. Second of all, I think if nothing else, this is definitely teaching us that we have very different tastes in horror films. I feel like this is the first time in what we've gone to 11 episodes that we finally like 
they had a split in opinions on a movie. Yeah. Especially yeah. considering I had brought it to your house, mm-hmm. knowing that it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And I went in and there that- and I was like, Alexia loves this. And I've already seen James Wan. So I was like, I'm in for, I liked Malignant a lot. I was like, I'm in for a treat. Oh my goodness. Well, it's funny you should say that because I went ahead and did some research while you were talking. I obviously was still listening, but this is me. I multitask like a crazy person. And the reviewers, the professionals, the people that we very often do not trust because who cares what well, they think? To have an opinion. Frankly, who cares what they think, especially when it comes to horror films? They never like them. So what's the point? Anyway, um, the, the professionals, the reviewers the critics, they would, they completely disagree. They're like the first half of the movie wrote a check that was so good. And then the second half could not cash out. So they felt the opposite. They loved the beginning, hated the end. I guess I, I really liked, I, I love demons and ghosts, especially when they can interact really well with the physical world. But it's like the beginning, it, I, I don't know. I feel like this movie relied so heavily on jump scares that I was watching and Ivy was like in the background playing video games and he would be like, it, the music co- accompanies the jump scare, of course, because that's kind of what builds it. And he was just like, can you stop? <laughs> can you fucking stop with this? these jump? Because he knows that music and he's like, that is a jump scare. I like he was sick and tired of it and I was sick and tired of it. And I was just like, you just know when it's coming. And you don't like it. And it didn't even make me jump anymore. And I was just like, it's not fun anymore when you rely so heavily on a jump scare for something. Whereas like, I know James Wan can get into your head and he just didn't do it properly with this movie. Is my opinion. For you. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Again, these are opinions. You are entitled to yours and you had your, your movie watching experience. Yep. Which is very valid. <laughs> Tell me why you love this movie. So, I mean, a lot of the reasons that I've already mentioned, like I love the family dynamics. I love, um, I just, I love the way he opened it. So I do love a good astral projection story because it rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Lois Duncan did a great novel that was like Girl With My Face. And that was an astral projection story. For those of you who haven't read it, I mean, it was written in like a long, it was written a long time ago. I was about to say it was written 30 years ago in the seventies. Dear God, help me. We are no longer in the two thousands. When will I learn? But, um, you said it's called girl with my face, girl with my face. Okay. Lois Duncan. Okay. I had to write it down. Okay. <laughs> Lois, so Lois Duncan has some incredible, like horror slash gothic inspired mm-hmm. novels that are really more young adult, but mm-hmm. so well done. Like she is to me, she is a prima donna of horror. Um, because I know what you did last summer is based off of one of her novels. Oh, okay. And yeah. listeners, you might n- recognize Lois Duncan's name by the giver. If you've ever read that so you should already know that she's an incredible writer Yes. if you know the giver you know she's an incredible writer she's a great storyteller and she did a lot of the giver series is just 
phenomenal chef's oh, kiss. So good. So I have read all of them. I own The Giver, Gathering Blue, Messenger, and Sun. I own all of them. I love them all. I didn't like, I liked Messenger the least, but I like them all. Um, anyway, so Lois Duncan also has like a bunch of like female driven characters in like thriller gothic novels. Um, she does like, again, she did, I know what she did last summer, uh, Locked in Time, Girl with My Face, Gallows Hill. Trying to think of the other ones that I read by her. They're good. Whatever. She's a good writer. Anywho. Um, so, and then with the, um, again, huge spoilers for, um, you know, like everything, there was that Netflix movie behind her eyes. Um, that was an astral projection movie. And of course the second we started watching it, I was like, it's a freaking astral projection movie. (laughs) Get off me. And my mom and my sister are like, what? And I was like, she's astral projecting. It's probably not even her and her body. Jesus. And I got really, (laughs) I got so annoyed. And uh, then mom and Leah were like, well, now you've ruined it. (laughs) Like, not that I ruined it, but like, they were like, all right, well, now we know probably what happened. Anyway, um, you know, so I like when it's done well. And I felt like this was done well, but I, it is one of the longest lead ups um, in a horror film. I mean, it's like, it's like 40 minutes in before you get um, a lot of the true like paranormal happenings. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it was also a more realistic timeline of like a haunting. You know, because like you see, you see a movie and it's like, no, I was going to say like in a lot of the horror films, it's like you barely meet the family. You don't really know a lot. All of a sudden it's like, surprise, 15 minutes in all sorts of crazy stuff's happening so that they can wrap it all up in like an hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, And there's very little denouement, which again, you know, made Even sense given French that words. I love it. <laughs> Alexia is loving her microphone she has one and she's like I love it <laughs> like this is mine <laughs> let me let me whisper sensually about murder and mayhem anyway she's now gonna be introducing our next jazz segment on WARX <laughs> <laughs> yup that's me yes <sighs> smooth jazz that what what radio station was that that I grew up with that was the smooth jazz channel and they (laughs) they said it just like that too it was ridiculous um anyway um anyway I I know I I love that they I love that he does the like silent almost silent title card Mm -hmm. um I loved the way he did a lot of I love the shots I always love those um like unsettling camera angles where you have like the wide open space behind them but like weirdly up close to their face and you're just like what is happening i don't the introduction there was i guess it was something about the music that i was like this feels like american horror story Mm -hmm. very very much like it's unsettling music but it's like normal stuff to look at and you're like no 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 about this yeah i mean in in it i was like the opening director card because when it like opens with the light and it has James Wan and then it like flips upside down and I was like yes I love this I forgot how much I love this 
Um, and he does a great job with sound effects too. Yes. He utilizes sound in, in an incredible way, particularly with the like, you know, it's not like dun dun, um, but he has that um that weird like piano sound and then like the crackling that indicated the creature and like the very harsh violin. Um I don't know, I just felt like yeah i i love his i love his sound mixing the scoring everything like that um but he does love a good foreshadowing opening title sequence mm-hmm. you yeah, know like that was the music. Like, you have to look at this house and you have to look at the rooms and you have to sit here but the thing is they did get more interactive as time went on mm-hmm. he's like you're living here too this is what it looks like and you're gonna get to know this room really well yeah like especially when um Rose, what's her name? I know it's Rose Byrne. So Renee. Rose Byrne, Renee. Whenever she's running through the house trying to find that giggling child, it's like you're also experiencing like the house the way that she is too. It's no mm-hmm. longer like left in the title cards where it's pristine and clean. Right. He does do a really good job of those like POV shots, mm-hmm. um, which I always think are fascinating in a horror film. When it's done well, it can make you feel so claustrophobic and you're like, but I need to see more and it's very scary. Mm -hmm. It's just like in um, Blair Witch Project where you're like, your line of sight is so limited and it's so unnerving. Yeah, it is. I like that. um, So one, I mean, you knew it was going to be a good film. Well, I I enjoyed it. So I thought it was a good film. So I knew uh, when I first saw it because I was like, I didn't know really know James Wan at that point. Um, this was pre a lot of the horror films. I mean, it was 2010, right? Like yeah, we were yeah. graduating high school, or I was in college. We had just graduated. We were in college. I don't know college. Yeah, I don't know why I'm. No, I'm. I'm pretty sure it opened in the fall. Um, okay. Yeah, so we were in college by then. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, September. Um. Oh no! Wait. It says release date September 14th, 2010, and then April 1st, 2011, United States. Oh. Oh, it 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 premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, okay, so it premiered in September at the Toronto Film Festival and then April of the following year in theaters. Point being, I knew we were freshmen in college. <laughs> that's that's it. So we were freshmen in college, whatever. Um, so this was before a lot of like the other stuff, but um yeah, like before a lot of the other movies that he's now famous for. But so I wasn't looking at that. I saw Jason Blum, a la Blumhouse, um, and Oren Pelly, who is another uh, very famous name in the horror community. So those are the producers, like producers and yeah. and everything. So um, Blumhouse on um, Instagram. Yay! Yay! No, does I? <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> My goodness. Um. Yeah. So I just I think, and again, those those family. I so my point was is what makes for me a good, actually scary, scary horror film because I did find this scary in a lot of places, especially when I first saw it. I mean, I was eighteen, right? So. 
the whole world was still scary to me. Yeah. Um, not that it isn't still, but like I'm less scared by horror films now yeah. than I was as a teenager. But um, I find like, you know, all of those, all that minutia that you lack in like big budget, glossy films that makes things feel real. Like, you know, the weird lighting, like when the first sequence, when Roseburn wakes up and I'm like, her fucking lame pajamas that like then match her sons and like, you know, her, her hair's flat and her husband's snoring and she's like, ah, oh, this house, <laughs> boxes and things. And, and it's like just silent, you know, until Dalton comes down and they're talking and whatever. And the lighting's weird. And then later, you know, when the baby's crying and her kids are arguing and she's on hold yeah. with whomever. And then, you know, it's just her in a, an empty, quiet house feeling lonely trying to work on her music and then like mm-hmm. the baby monitor and like her trying to figure everything out because she's alone yeah um and that like scary lonesome feeling that you can have even when you know your family is like coming back but like you're alone in the moment yeah. and it's spooky so I felt like I don't know I just felt like the interactions and the interactions between them are so genuine when they're like blaming each other for stuff and then they're like my bad I had a bad day like, yeah they like, have like honest really conversations tired. with each other although yeah. I the one thing that I I was like kind of I feel like one of my disappointments was this movie focused so much on Renee and Dalton especially in those opening scenes they're wearing the same exact pajamas they have this very cute conversation about you know family when great you are when you're younger all this stuff and then the movie shifts to being it's about Dalton and Josh and their connection and I'm like well we we didn't establish that in the beginning so I don't feel that it would have been I feel like more impactful if Renee was the one who had the ability to astral project or learn to astral project so that she could save Dalton. It's like they established so much with mother and son in the beginning and less with father and son where I feel like it didn't impact me as much as it could have. <clears throat> because he just, he's not wearing the matching pajamas. He's not interacting with his son in the way, like he does interact with the, ba- the baby and kids, of course, but it's not in the same way that we feel immediately with Renee. So I was just like, I felt kind of let down by that. Or the other thing I was trying to notice was like he, it, Josh is very concerned with his appearance and looking younger and not looking old and they don't delve into that too much. So I was like, that felt kind of like a lost fray. Fair. So they do delve into that in the second movie. Okay, good. <laughs> Cause I was just like, oh. why do you even like focus on that at all? If you're not going to go into it. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder if James Wan already had a sequel planned or like if he'd already like done it all together. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, um, well, just because that like, so that that sequence where um, he's looking in the mirror, brushing his teeth and then plucks the gray hair gray from hair. his head. There's this, there's in like a literally mirror image sequence in the second movie. Spoilers! Um, <laughs> in the... In the second movie where he does the same thing, but then like retches and spits a tooth out into the sink because he's deteriorating because he's old, because he's an old corpse lady living in a young man's body. Oh, that makes sense. 
since you said you didn't want to watch the second one, really. Yeah, I, like, I don't know if I want to or not. It might just could, to get more context on everything. Cause I was like, you know, maybe sequels, you know, they, they should add to the original context. Maybe they do go into Renee and Dalton's relationship more, but I was just like, I feel like this movie set up so much and then they didn't explore it enough. So I felt like <laughs> I get that. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I guess I had seen it as like a distancing effect from like his childhood trauma. So like he almost like can't relate because of all of his childhood trauma and losing all those childhood memories. Because remember they said they they got rid they of all did. those pictures. Well, no, it's they literally talk about um how they like erased his memory essentially. <laughs> like they had him like bury those memories. Um, so it for me it felt like almost like a dissociation from childhood where like and that's what bonded them was that like they had this like this is the moment where he can like come back into himself I guess yeah reach into that inner child Mm. I feel Mm. like if they had established something about that earlier it would have made more cohesive sense but I was just like I kept waiting for more mother-son stuff and it didn't quite happen it was just Renee being you know stressed crazy mother towards the end (laughs) which is fair your child is in another dimension you know I'm not gonna knock that (laughs) (laughs) we don't know what that's like (laughs) we have no idea you know it could be terrifyingly stressful I don't know (laughs) uncertain um okay fair and you know uh they do explore a lot more of that in the second movie, which is why, like I said, I feel like James Wan already had a sequel planned or like maybe they filmed both of it and split it into two parts. Like, I don't know. There's a, there's so much cohesion between the first and second movie that makes me feel like he had that in his head already. Yeah. Um, anywho. So, um, another thing I also really love from this movie is one tiptoe through the tulips is a fucking terrifying song on its own Holy, I, as soon as it started playing i was like no 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 i'm, I'm out i'm leaving <laughs> nope don't like it and the thing there was another instance where like when renee is grabbing all the laundry and stuff and she drops that laundry into the laundry basket you see the little boy standing there facing the wall I but know. i missed it I so know. that's the thing I know you didn't, you didn't notice because it's your first watch. You're trying to watch everything at once. And I didn't notice until like a third or fourth watch mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. Dang. Yeah. The, the little boy sequence was crazy. And it's just definitely one of those things where it's like, Oh, the ghost is always there. That's yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. Um, so all those sounds still, again, carrying with that crackling sound for their big bad, um, you know, and even with, even knowing, even knowing when I was listening, when you're listening to Lorraine's story about, you know, Josh's childhood demon thing, mm-hmm. even knowing what's going to happen, I still jumped. I jump every single time. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. And it still like comes as a surprise. I don't understand why. <laughs> Every single time. And I've seen this movie quite a few times. I know. It's just like, oh, well, all right. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Um, the banter of Elisa's aides, Tucker and Specs. <laughs> well, that's why I was like, oh, is this just another poltergeist? Because you get the like quirky, like ghost hunter dudes who are like 
I don't know, big old nerds. And I know that that's a trope that's pervasive throughout haunting series as well. Yeah. But like, unlike, unlike some of the others, like there's just a, they're just a, like, my dick is bigger, like pair. (laughs) (laughs) They really are. I'm just a nerd. It's like, no, no, no. I'm better than you. Literally, this part is most important. No, this part is most important. And then to the point where like when they're, even when they're searching the house because they know demons are coming, like the little turning on of the small flashlight. And I'm like, oh, I'm like putting on this like even bigger one. And you're just like, wow. And they just sit in that silence for a little bit. And I'm like this, yes. <laughs> they were enjoyable. They were. Uh, <laughs> oh, they I were. Mean, I wanted to ask you, so... James Wan did Saw? Yeah. Okay, so was he just like for shits and giggles drawing Jigsaw on the chalkboard in uh, Josh's uh, classroom just for funsies? I I literally wrote down why is Jigsaw drawn on the chalkboard in all caps? (laughs) Because he's James Wan. (laughs) Because he's James fucking Wan. Oh my god. He loves a good Easter egg. He loves like bringing things full circle. I noticed that. I was like, I see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I remember reading that this this movie was his response to Saw where he was like, you can make a good horror movie without the gore that I put into the Saw movie. And this right. is how you can do it. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, again, like, like the photos on like the drawings on Dalton's wall, even like of him where he's like, like I watched last night, I watched myself sleep and then I flew away. Um, you know, those, those had been up there the mm-hmm. whole movie previously. Like you saw them in the background. They'd always been there. Mm-hmm. And this time I intentionally watched to see like how long they were in the background for the whole time. Yeah. The whole time they're there the whole time. And, um, However, I did make a note. I was like, Dalton has surprisingly good penmanship for a child, particularly in crayon. So this is a lie. This is the one. Yeah, I was like, this is the one thing I don't believe, James Wan. As a 30-year-old adult, it is hard to write in crayon to this day. Yeah, like, you know what? This child did not write that, okay? I'm calling bullshit right there. I I will happily, like admit that there are some scruples in every <laughs> there are inconsistencies and scruples and whatever of of every horror film that is the one I'm calling James Wan on the carpet for okay right a child did not write that also I wonder how long it took for them to like sit around and think of another world word for the alternate reality and then they were like let's just call it the further I didn't I like, like that that term I they said it and I would just my eyes rolled to the back of my head as far as possible and I was like are you kidding me the further okay come on we have stranger things pretentious and it's like did you guys like sit around for hours and that's all you could come up with (laughs) oh see I liked it well I mean come on you have stranger things that has like the upside down at least that makes sense you wouldn't just literally just like be like we're going into the further (laughs) <laughs> see I don't know I think further makes more sense than the upside down like no one flips no I, I did not care for it <laughs> fine <laughs> we will once again disagree, we will disagree. I love it 
I love it though. Also, I, I had a big note here about uh, Josh's childhood pictures because they showed him in like Polaroids and stuff. They are so funny. If you like pause the movie and just look at the pictures, <laughs> they're the funniest fucking pictures you could have ever chosen. <laughs> comfortable in every single one of them i was like whose childhood photos are these i need to know (laughs) they like go out and like take pictures during the filming or did they like find pictures and they're like this child looks childish and they just like photoshop the lady in there and it's so bad it was so horribly photoshopped in there (laughs) (laughs) i honestly don't know like i i want to know but I, I don't know. I don't and know. <laughs> that's something we'll have to find out and then like report back on. Oh my God, that killed me. It was so funny. And then I think the last note that I wrote was right as he was going into the further and I went, this is bizarre. And then my brain went, oh, cause it's James Wan. <laughs> yeah. Like suspend belief, like suspend all belief mm. when you walk into a James Wan film. But that was my last note. And I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be weird from here on out and i love it <laughs> so like the, the last of it i really liked it i thought that was really well done oh it's incredibly well done um i did have i did have a couple of notes on like a, the um you know the demonology team like whatever it is yes. that we're gonna call them um where i was like one like right after that i was like can somebody please get the the nerdy guy specs i was like can somebody get him a laptop so we can type instead of having to write everything down (laughs) no why don't we give him the shittiest charcoal pencil (laughs) (laughs) on these pages (laughs) like does it interfere with the demons like what happened like why can't you type this (laughs) i'm surprised that none of the pages ripped as he was writing them because he was like pressing in there and like scribbling furiously and flipping the pages I know. His handwriting was um, fairly legible. Good for him. I know if Ivy had done that, even like unstressed and unsober, like uh, unstressed and sober, it would have been like chicken scratch. Same though. Right <laughs> same. Eggs on our grocery list. I'm like, what is that? What are you talking about? <laughs> what do you want Augs for? Augs? <laughs> what do you want Augs for? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Um, yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I was just like, somebody get this guy a laptop or a typewriter or something like literally anything other than a- One of those scribe tools that they use in court cases, or you just use a story. Oh my God. A stenographer's tool. Yes. Stenographer's would, keyboard. Do it. It would be unstoppable if you learned to do that and use one of those. I firmly believe this. I would love to do that. Here's the thing. I was like, lit- I don't know. During some true crime thing, I was like, reading an article where a girl was talking about like how she learned to do it. And I was like, I want to do it. I want to do it now because there are some TikTokers who that's their job to do all that. And they'll show you the process and like how the alphabet works and all that kind of stuff. You would be fantastic with it. Uh, I don't know. I'd like, I would like to learn it just to learn it. I mean, there's like, what would I use that for? When is that applicable in my day-to-day life? I don't even know. Your Gemini energy. We'll find the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Gemini energy. <laughs> it's using a stenographer. <laughs> Let me learn some like completely useless skill that I find fascinating. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, it's not a useless skill.
skill. Like it's incredibly, incredibly relevant and incredibly important to our legal systems. (laughs) Yeah. Like in our legal systems, court stonographers are it. They are the ultimate. They have, they learn all this information. They get all of the details and they have to keep a straight face through all of it and type out everything as it's dictated. Incredible. It is wild. How do you not just Um, stop and go like, oh my God, are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) Mad props. (laughs) Court stenographers, you the real MVPs. You are the reason. You are the only thing that is good about our judicial system. Amen. But I was really laughing at the end, uh, like after that whole scene where like, you know, they possess Dalton's, he's told Dalton's being puppeteered by the demon thing. And they, um, and they like, you know, that with the whole scene was so intense and whatever, but then they like cut to like Tucker looking through the, like the, the footage and Specs literally has like the meat on his face. <laughs> it was like sign somebody was raised by parents who like were born in the fifties. <laughs> yeah. I have a note on there that was like, um, <laughs> during that whole sequence and I'm like he was just bitch slapped into eternity to his dolphin like literally just like throws a hand and somebody flies against the wall <laughs> oh my god that's amazing <laughs> oh my god that's amazing the puppeteer man that face that face mask was scary although it did it just reminded me of um Zuko's blue mask oh the blue spirit yeah. So I was like, is this really that scary? <laughs> See, no, I was thinking Darth Maul and then I wasn't as scared. Yeah. If you combine Darth Maul and Zuka's blue spirit mask, you get this one. Yes. You get the cloven hooved demon of the further. He's like a puppeteer. And the funniest thing was when Dalton like Josh is trying to unchain Dalton from like his prison or whatever and Mm -hmm. they look up and the puppeteer has stopped what he's doing and he's like (laughs) 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 he just like he's there he goes he unleashes his tongue too and it's like forked tongue and he's like (laughs) you're just like what the hell this is I think this is the weird thing about the jump scares is like it doesn't just appear and disappear within the blink of an eye the spirits stay there so I think mm. that looks goofy. So when the spirit is like pressing his face into the glass and he just fucking stays there, I think that is the funniest fucking thing. He's just like, ee, 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 ee. <laughs> the thing is, I, I find some of that more unsettling because I'm like, it didn't go away. Like jump scares usually like, yeah, it's fleeting. Whereas like, if you were there in real life, like he would just be there. Like it wouldn't just like go away. He would just be there the whole time. I'm like, well, also that, that old, that grungy man spirit that attacks Renee. Mm. He moves in a human like manner instead of being like a jerky fast spirit, like all otherworldly thing. It's like all of the spirits do move like humans. They are spoiler. So it was just like, that was kind of fascinating because I was expecting, you know, those jerky movements. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, the only real, yeah, I mean, excellent call out because that is something, again, I do really find spooky is the more realistic it is, the more it feels like it could potentially happen in real life, the more freaked out I I tend to be. Again, there is a little suspension of, again, of disbelief in this movie just because it is still a big budget pick um 
However, uh, yeah, the only caveat is in when he's in the first, when Josh is in the further, um, and it's those like randomized split scenes. It reminded me of, um, there's this book, there's this, uh, teen book series by Kelly Armstrong. So Kelly Armstrong, write it down. Uh, no, it's darkest. It's the darkest powers trilogy. The summoning and the The summoning. Yeah. 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 So Kelly Armstrong, for those of you who do not know who are listening to us, uh, Kelly Armstrong was known for doing like these, like werewolf and cabal, like you know, supernatural adult Paranormal, books. Uh, young adult romances. Well, no, she did the adult ones first. Yeah. So she wrote the adult romance novels like first. And it was like these paranormal romance novels, whatever, um, with a little bit of fantasy thrown in. And then she did the uh, young adult ones. And it reminded me of the young adult ones um, because it's a, a necromancer. Her name is Chloe. And she can like, she had her powers genetically altered long story short she can see these like these it's like almost like an like an imprint on the human world um of a murder in the same way that like the grudge kind of is but it's like a constant it's like a constant loop so she can see like she can see like the loop to death so it's like she watches it happen it starts over so she sees like a loop of like a guy jumping into like a saw And then it just like happens again where he's like standing on the edge, then jumps into the saw, like, and it just loops. Um, So that like when Josh is in the further and he like sees the family in the living room and then like goes to the kitchen, like the dining room table where the girl's sitting, then all of a sudden she's gone and he hears the gunshot and he goes in and that's when she'd like shot the family. Oh yeah. 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 And then, of course, like he turns around at one point, and all four of them are there, and they do that like synchronized creepy that was smile. Creepy! Holy shit! That actually scared the piss out of me. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I know it was super spooky, but um, you know that reminded me of that, like a like a like a replaying of a traumatic event. Yeah. Um, to what happened? Yeah. That, right. You know, when we look at the family, and then we look at it pans over to the daughter who holds the shotgun with the crazy look in her eye. I was just like, no, yep. like good for her. They were probably awful. <laughs> good for her. <laughs> I mean, that mom looked super creepy uh, when Josh goes by her. Oh my God, that was so creepy because it's like they're all sitting there silently. You can kind of tell that they're, you know, you, you see him shift around a little bit and then he gets real close to the mom. And then she blinks and he goes, no, 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 I'm out. <laughs> he goes, nope. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I loved it. And um, it's funny, again, in the second movie, um, like when he, in the second movie, you know how they like, all right, I'm spoiling everything. I'm just spoiling everything. You can watch the second one if you want, like. Uh, it didn't seem like you were too interested friends and neighbors. If you're interested, go watch the second one, then come back. Um, but in the second one, you know how, like they heard all the knocking and then the Mm -hmm. door, like the alarm going off and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, they play, they like replay back to that in the second movie where like Josh is trying to get home to his body Mm, and he's like opening the door. Like he's like knocking and then like the whole time. 
opens the door. Mm-hmm. So like anytime evil spirits get like near the house or something, because again, remember how Elise said like time doesn't really exist there in the yeah. same way. Like, so yeah, it's like essentially him alerting the family or like trying to get like help them and then trying to get back. So what um, you're telling me is Christopher Nolan watched this movie and then wrote Interstellar. Oh my God. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I mean, a great callback, my friend. <laughs> I applaud you because I never even considered that. But like, <laughs> yes, probably. You know what? I give Christopher Nolan credit for like nothing at this point. <laughs> right it's like that's not original anymore if i had only seen insidious i would have been like oh what's you doing this i know when was interstellar made like 2013 2014 because i said 2013 you said 2015 it's 2014 because i remember it was like right after i graduated i had moved out to texas and dad and i saw it in imax Oh, wow. Somewhere, somewhere in between that 2014, 2015 time. Dude, if you ever have the experience of watching Interstellar and IMAX, do it. Oh, I would. Because we saw, we had friends who saw Dune in IMAX. I'm like, that would have been incredible. IMAX like triggers the motion sickness a little bit for me so i'd have to be careful there yeah yeah be careful with that (laughs) (laughs) i still haven't seen dune so you know sadness i'll have to go to the theater and see it maybe i can do that this weekend oh that'd be good oh shoot never mind no it's my friend's christmas my friend madison's christmas party (laughs) never mind i lied uh (laughs) I want to go see I feel like there's a lot of good movies in the theater right now and I'm like I want to go see them all why don't I I know but with COVID getting worse like my work has shut down our office officially until January 10th so like now I'm like with things getting worse do I really want to go do events indoors that I like don't necessarily need to do yeah unclear um anyway Long story short, I love this movie. Would watch it again and again. Abby would watch this movie once. Once is fine. That's all you need. <laughs> I feel like I could probably watch the seat at least Insidious 2 and, you know, maybe get the background that I'm looking for. But since it didn't give me everything that I, I guess that's what I get for going into a movie with sequels where it's just like, I wanted more and it didn't give me everything in one take. So it's like, yeah. Gotcha. But now that I know the series, maybe I'll get more from it. Entirely fair. Like, you know what? You can watch it or not. I will still love you. Thank you. I appreciate Mm -hmm. you. And if you feel like your time is better spent watching cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies, then you should do that. Yay. Self-care, friends. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you super duper happy. We're here for that, no matter what it is. Even if you do yeah. like Christopher Nolan films, we forgive you. You know what? The Dark Knight trilogy was actually damn good. Very good. So I will give him that. I will give Christopher Nolan 
that and I will give him Titanic. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and I will give him Titanic. And no, that is what I will give him. Another movie where I watched it once and I was like, that's enough. I got <gasps> everything I need out of that movie. Just on one yeah. video. Sorry. I'll never <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Insidious. Insidious. Any other thoughts? We'll to wait until next week to hear what we listen to next. I know. We're going to start keeping it a mystery and letting you all find out via socials. Yeah. Or you probably know, a little bit. Tell us what you want to listen to. Yes, please tell us. Please tell us. Maybe we should poll. Let's poll everywhere this. Okay. You guys can vote for what it, your favorite either on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I might try Twitter. I'm not super active on the Twitter, unfortunately. <laughs> I feel like Twitter for a business is hard to do unless you have 800 million followers. No. We're not Twitter people. We're I, not tweeters. I like going Sorry. to Twitter to get my, you know, daily news that I wouldn't get anywhere else, but that's like it. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. I learn about everything through Twitter. It's where I lurk. I get like daily updates from the New York Times and People Magazine in my inboxes. And that is it. <laughs> that is my source of, source of truth. And sometimes Snapchat. Well, Twitter, it's like everything happens so fast on Twitter that I, I sometimes log in. And I'm like, okay, I have to go backtrack now to figure out what you guys are talking about because it's been two days and I haven't logged in in a while. <laughs> that would stress me out. That's too much work. It's too much. It's too much work for me to find out a story. Because I'm just like, okay, why do we hate this actor now? Okay, I got it. All right. You're right. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, um, we'll post a, a poll and you can vote for your next favorite. We're going to try and keep them a little bit Christmas themed this month just for, you know, content purposes. And um, you can find us on Instagram at We're Watching Horror. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at We're Watching Podcast. Our email is We're Watching Pod at gmail.com. And then Twitter, if you do seek to find us, is watching underscore horror. So yeah, keep an eye out for us there. Woo! One day I will, one day I too will have these memorized. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten better at that. The last couple of episodes, I was like, uh, mm, eh. <laughs> There is zero judgment coming from the woman <laughs> who has not memorized them, who doesn't even really know them, okay? No. As long as you go on there and you like the content, that's all that I care about. <laughs> no, I'm going to abandon us immediately. Yeah, right. Lexi's like, I'm fucking done with this shit. Fucks off to the wilderness. <laughs> Cut to Alexia in the corner, munching on hands. Uh, an actual text message I got. Um, yeah, that was an actual text message I got. That honestly will be the the hallmark moment of when I knew I wanted to date this man. <laughs> like <laughs> that <laughs> munching on hands comment. That was it. You're like, all right, I am sold. I am in. Yep. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> God. I promise we're not uh, we're not going for the murder this week, but uh, maybe we'll watch a movie about murder. Ooh, there's always murder on the table. 
murder is always on the table <laughs> and on that and on that note <laughs> Guys, this is why we're best friends. <laughs> so remember, we're watching. Bye.